welcome back to Trust Me, I'm a Student. We're now on our third episode, which is so exciting and astounding for all of us. Uh, and thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. If you're new, this podcast is all about our team's year with co-production. If you'd like to dive deeper into what co-production actually is, check out our first episode, Co-Production 101. If you're a regular, you know me, <laughs> I'm Madeline. A little bit sick today, although it's not COVID, so we, we're rolling with it. I'm one of 11 student partners who have been involved in this co-produced evaluation of the Greater Manchester University Student Mental Health Service. This week, I interview Anita, our evaluation coordinator, on the planning decisions that went into this project and the leadership choices that she's made throughout. It's a bit of a long one, but the insight that she has to offer is so worth it. So grab a cup of tea, maybe a nice little snack, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Madeline. I'm a student partner. I've just graduated from the Royal Northern College of Music, and I got my bachelor's degree in violin performance. I'm Anita, um, and I'm a member of staff at, the M at Manchester University, um, and my role is evaluation coordinator or project coordinator for this uh, student mental health project. Lovely. So I've got just a list of questions for you, if that's all right. The first one is just about planning for our, the student partner's role um, and what went into that. So I know that you created the job description and the kind of hiring information with the SU officers at different universities, is that right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. So um, when I came into role um, here, it was clear that this was going to be a very student-influenced project. And it wasn't really my um, responsibility to do a lot of ahead planning and decide what would happen when and with whom. So um, one of the first things I did was to get in contact with the student union officers from the five Greater Manchester Universities okay. and bring them together to explain to them what the project was and um, ask them what was important in terms of the areas we investigated and who we got to do this work. Yeah. So we were going to employ student partners to do it, but um, what characteristics should those student partners have? In effect, what the should the job description look like? Yeah, yeah, that's really starting from, you know, before the role even starts to work with students to create every, every step of the project. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it was easy because I didn't have the answers anyway. <laughs> so it just felt natural to reach out to the people who were embedded within the student communities and they represent the student voice yeah. to a certain degree and ask them, well, w what do you think um, the job description should look like? Who are we looking for? Who would be best for this role? And how, how did that go for you? How did you find that to be different? Um, than maybe just coming up with all of the what you thought was it was um, it was a very enjoyable process. So it was really enjoyable to um, meet sort of young adults who had um, a strong passion and knowledge and experience of uh, you know the area of student mental health, yeah. and were often very clear about what they thought was important. 
So um, for me, it was like a really uh, sort of walking into a different world um, and getting a feel of what the priorities were. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I found it very interesting. And the job description just, you know, came off the back of that, really. Yeah. Um, so it, it, just, it just flowed through from there. Um, and two of those student union officers came and were part of the interview process and selection process mm. as well. Yeah. And initially, you were thinking to hire maybe like two or three students, is that right? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking it in terms of the experience I'd had supervising student research projects. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, sort of managing two or three students. That'll kind of work. <laughs> and then I talked to uh, Sarah Littlejohn, who I work directly with at the university, yeah. and she's very much into maintaining the Greater Manchester Partnership working. And she said, well, we've got five universities. Why not hire two students from, from each? Uh, which I kind <laughs> of panicked and thought, you've just got to say yes. Just say <laughs> yes, it'll work out. <laughs> so I said yes and, and sort of panicked later because I suppose in my mind I had the idea, oh gosh, that's 10 research projects mm. I'm managing. But I'm aware some of the even the academic courses don't work like that. They'll get a group of five students doing a project together. And they might do something each different with their data afterwards, but they, they sometimes do work in teams. So when I thought, oh, actually, they can work within teams, and that will have its benefits as well, because they won't be relating uh, individually to me all the time. Mm. They can relate to each other within the team. Yeah. Actually, that might work very well for a co-produced project. So that really changed the kind of that changed the way that you thought about, I don't want to say managing, yeah. because I know that's not quite the right word, yeah. um, <laughs> but facilitating our progress. Yeah, well, it, I suppose it changed it from being me supervising individual projects very clearly to there's a team of student partners who are going to do a project, and I'm going to try and support them to do that project. And how do you think co-production of then fit into that because that's that's a big switch yeah 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 i think i think it would have been much harder for it to be a co-produced project in the first um scenario of me being a supervisor and then there being a student working with me because i think it would have been harder to shake off i'm the expert i have the final say mm. the second scenario when you're working with the team within a team i have to let go of control <laughs> You're working with a team. I can't see everything that's going on. Um, so in a way, you have to step up and I have to step back. Yeah. So it, it in a way, it, it is the sort of management paradigm, if you like, for co-production. I mean, interestingly, I'm not, I'm not an expert in the social sciences. I've mm. got a physics background. Um, I don't work in mental health. Um, and so it was much better to be working in this way where I could help your expertise come out rather than kind of these are the conventions, this is how we think about it, this is yeah. the language, this is how we do it. You know, all those things that really can be very helpful but also can be very restrictive. Yeah, it's, you're, you're coming at it from kind of from the outside and you're thinking, okay, what have I done? What can I bring in? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was pulling on my, like you have been pulling on your own diverse mm. skill sets. Um, you know, you're a music student, yet, you know, we're not to talking about music here, but you're bringing in your diverse skill sets. I've had to do that as well. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, it's a, almost about transferable skills. Yeah. There's got a real humility to that as well that I think matches co-production really nicely. Yeah, yeah. Stepping away from saying, I know how this is done. Yeah. Oh, you need to look at this research <laughs> paper and follow these conventions. It's like, okay, the ground's open. Mm. Um, that kind of ties right into my next question. Um, what makes you as an individual in your experiences um, suited to this role? What kinds of experiences do you draw on? So um, I've, I've done teaching, so I teach in physics labs, and I've done supervision of um, students' uh, research projects. And whilst we've just talked about those maybe not being about co-production, mm. in a way they're about working with young adults and providing a platform for them to grow and learn. Yeah. And I suppose my style in doing that is uh, very much to try and open up the next piece of ground for the student to walk into. Mm. So um, I'm more likely to be a a teacher in labs that throws your question back to you <laughs> in that annoying way rather than gives you the answer yeah so you know sometimes that involves them breaking the, the the question down the question's too big that's why the student can't answer it and you want to help break it down but still help them find their steps through it mm -hmm. and again with the research students i wanted to help them develop a research mindset so it just wasn't about outcomes, it was about them developing their skills and where did they want to take the project. Yeah. Um, and then I bring in other skill sets from meditation teaching. So that's very much about um, supporting people to explore their experiences. So again, that's about you stepping back from being an expert. They know what they've experienced <laughs> in meditation. It's about you helping them articulate it yeah. and knowing how they want to approach their experiences, their mind within meditation. So again, that's a very kind of supportive, exploratory role. Um, and I've been involved in teacher training stuff myself. I've also had lots of different work experiences, <laughs> both positive and negative. So I've explored that field you know, as an employee myself. So although I wouldn't have been able to articulate it beforehand, I think I kind of knew what might work and what probably wouldn't. Yeah. Have you had experience as an employee on maybe not specifically a co-production, co-produced project, but something similar, kind of non-hierarchical? Yeah, well... I've had experience of working with different people and when you feel empowered and when you don't. Yeah. So um, I've had experience of working up a, a meditation course program with somebody who was very experienced in teaching, yet the way they worked m with me, it felt like there was a good degree of equality. They were interested mm. in what I want, had to say and they really wanted us to do this together rather than me being the junior partner. Yeah. And, th and you know, there, are, there are lots of other experiences of, of working with individuals. Um, 
you know, whether that's music lessons, you have teachers that tell you what to do and you have teachers that help you explore what you want to do, yeah. you know, so um, not so much working in co-production in the team the way you've been doing, but I've certainly had experiences of different working relationships. And on the other side, employees that just see you as a utility, they don't want you to invest in you, they just want you to get the job done. Yeah. So I know both sides. <laughs> it's not terribly empowering, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that leads perfectly into this next question. We've been talking about your individual kind of skills and experiences that you've brought into this role. Uh, in general, what does one need to have um, to do this role? Yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because it's partly about an ethos mm. rather than necessarily a, a kind of very tangible skill set, although may, you know, maybe you could do work to actually figure out what those are. But um, you need to be interested in the process and you need to be interested in the people. So if you work very strictly to, um, I want it to look like this, and I want it to look like this now, mm. it's probably not going to work. So I think it has to be understanding of people, personalities, growth and development, training. Yeah. Um, so probably somebody more from a training background than a project management background or somebody who's interested in education research and understand there's this phrase scaffolding. So how well do you scaffold a project? So if you, if you scaffold it very well, it's very easy to walk to climb up, but there's kind of one easy route. Yeah. Whereas um, if you leave the scaffolding a bit more open, then um, it gives people room to build their own structures. Yeah. So I, I'm sure people in education have that experience. So. Yeah, I think it's more to do with training in a way and support. Yeah, it's a very uh, person-centered um, yeah. role. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, you've got outcomes. Yeah. But I think it's more, you know, uh, supporting the student partners to keep their passion and keep their, um, like, eye on what's important to them. What impact can they have? How mm. can they have that? because I know there's no doubt you want to have impacts. Yeah. So m my role is not to kill that in <laughs> a way. So um, in a way, I don't have to really think about outcomes very, very strongly. Mm. That, that reminds me a lot of, this is really related to co-production, but there's a, I don't know if you would call it a movement or a philosophy uh, called Students as Partners. Um, and it's all about asking the students to be an active part of their own learning journey and setting their own goals with their, with their teacher or mentor or whoever um, and really asking them, what do you want to achieve? How can I help you get there? Um, and kind of negotiating what they're going to need to get there and the skills that they'll need just generally uh, for whatever they're trying to study um, and that feels very akin to what you've been doing for us you've been asking us and all throughout the project what kinds of things would you like to do what are your goals and outputs um, and then kind of helping us break that down 
okay, what do you need to achieve X, Y, Z? Who do you need to contact? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the learning curve for you on this project? So I kind of want to say is it's all been a learning <laughs> curve, really. <laughs> you know, you bring your experience, you, you bring your skills. Um, but I think if we did this project with a bunch of different people, it would be different, I think. Um, so I, I have, and I think we've done this together, feel our way into how much support you need from me at different stages. I know we talked too about um, the academic calendar being part of that learning curve. Yeah, so um, although I was very aware of the academic calendar um, because of teaching in, in physics labs, it didn't really hit home until we were going through the project how that cycle works through each semester um, and what your availability is like. Mm. So there are times when you can offer a lot. There are times when you're really focused on deadline assignments, exams, um, recitals, you know, whatever it is for you in your, in your field. And that's where your mind needs to go and, and um, that's when, where your energy is going. And for this project, we absolutely said your courses come first and mm -hmm. I didn't want to create any tension at that time. And then there are times when you've done the boom of the academic semester and you're bust. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do anything, this project, anything. <laughs> so it's like, I think there was definite, after you did your report in December and then you, people were doing various December deadlines, I could just tell, it was like, no, we're these guys are on their sofas. <laughs> 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 and that's where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, that is the shape. I know it would be different for different students and different circumstances, but there was certainly a feel of that culture. And um, I think it was hard getting going in the new year because people had exams. Mm. And I could see the sort of second semester shrinking <laughs> in front of me. Um, and then it did impact, didn't it? We, we didn't get the recruitment we wanted because we were doing that just after the academic year finished in early yeah. summer. In that bust period. In that bust period. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if I would have done anything differently. It would have just, I would have just had a bit of a heads up about what might work when. Yeah. University student life is very fast moving and can yeah. be intense so a, a week makes all the difference yeah you know, doing your recruitment one week earlier may mean that you get you know 10 more participants than you know waiting a week or two later yeah yeah and I, I, we were coordinating 10 students 11 students partners from five different universities mm. with different academic <laughs> calendars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the work that you guys did, really, but the, it, it added another level of complexity, didn't it? Yeah. The other learning curve kind of thing that we talked about you know, through this conversation was building a rapport with the service and kind of understanding how we fit into that. 
Yeah, so I mean, in, in a way, it's an interesting project setup because we've actually been funded to do this by the OFS, the mm. Office of Students, and um, student partners are employed by the Manchester University Student Union, so representative of the student voice. I'm employed by the University of Manchester, that's who has won the funding as part of a larger group um, to do this evaluation. And then there's this NHS service that we're evaluating. Mm. Now they haven't funded us or asked us to do this evaluation, but they're interested in our results. Um, and I, I have worked in the NHS, and it's a very hierarchical structure, yeah. um, which m may well serve it well. Um, but there is a definite hierarchy of expertise and influence there mm -hmm. um, within the NHS in general. Uh, that smaller service may run, uh, you know, they, they work as a team. So um, I, you know, I can't express an opinion <laughs> about how that service runs. Yeah. Um, so we're here as a group of students and we, we want to have influence. How do we influence that service? Yeah. And it's a bit of a conundrum in a way. Um, it's how, how do we, do we big up our work? <laughs> do we kind of push it, become defensive? You have to listen to us, you know. Um, we've got important stuff to say. Um, how do we get the student voice heard? And I think sort of there was a bit of an aha moment when um, you did a recruitment video, mm. uh, which the, s the service have been very supportive, encouraging, they've done a lot for us, and uh, have offered to put this recruitment video out. Mm. And I think in that recruitment video, what really came across was your enthusiasm for supporting the service Absolutely. and for supporting those student service users. Mm. And I thought, ah, that's the common ground. Yeah. The service staff really, you can tell, they really want to support the students that come into the service. Mm -hmm. And so do you guys. And I thought, well, of, you know, now I see it, it's really obvious, isn't it? When you find common ground with people, you work well together. Yeah. So rather than trying to sort of uh, create a them and us, staff and students, to find our common ground and offer them your insight as students, mm. to support them to do exactly what you want them to do, what you both want to do. Yeah. So I think working from that basis of common ground um, will like encourage an, a sort of partnership working and, and then the influence will come from there or, or not, you know. Yeah. I think that's the, again, it's about process, isn't it? It's, it's building that sustainable relationship and no one ever wants to continue to work with someone that they feel forced to work with. No. So I think that, no. that, that finding that common ground is really important. Um, but that, I, that did take a while for us to, to hit on. Yeah, yeah, to find, you know, ha even when we, we're in conversation with um, people from the service, there's no kind of aligning, there's no yeah. clicking into place in terms of roles, which I think is good, but kind of leaves us all a bit floundering. There's openness, mm. but there's a lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you can feel that they want support, but they're running a service, right. a busy service um, within the NHS. 
So, yeah, I think we're still finding our way into that. Yeah. When you put it like that, it it's very clear. I mean, we're a new team of 11 students, and you are evaluation coordinator, kind of trying to find this, this little niche in this huge NHS system that's, I mean, the National Health Service. Yeah. It's, they work in a very systematic way because they have to. They're providing care for the entire country. Um, and, that's and understandably, the, you know, the, the medics have a very high hierarchy mm. because of the um, responsibility within their job. Expertise matters. Yeah. doesn't it so and you know the, the strong training programs that run through that so um, and we're working in a very different way yeah um, okay my next question is kind of around communication um, what conscious decisions are you making when communicating with us the student partners so um, I think language really matters and mm. how you communicate really matters and yet at the same time there's a feeling that, that it's the intent and ethos behind it. I know there's something that I wanted to say here and it's just... You talked about the thank you thing. Ah yes, yeah yeah. So uh, you can get in workplaces and in student supervisor relationships you can get the student looking to please the supervisor mm. or the student trying to meet the supervisor's criteria of what good looks like, yeah. so what success looks like. And I didn't want to create relationships of that type. Mm. So I thought it was really important that you explored what good looks like for you. What are your priorities? Mm. So part of that was you give each other feedback so you sign up for your own work packages that you're interested in and then you review each other's work packages yeah. and through doing that you're all exploring what is important for you in this project mm. um, what is it that you want to achieve and what does good look like for that um, we've also done sort of celebrating each other's positive qualities mm. and that's been done within the team and again that removes it away from me saying what does a strength look like what does a mm. skill look like and it's you guys seeing that in each other so there's no kind of trying to please somebody or responding to to somebody in particular so when you're doing your work i don't want you thinking what do i need to do so anita says it looks good <laughs> yeah, yeah i want you to be doing i'm doing this because this is what i think we think looks good yeah so i think that took again time for at least me um, to settle into when we started I very much saw you as my supervisor uh, and mentor um, and I I did want to do things to a standard that I that I thought you would be happy with mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think I was listening to a podcast and a woman talking was Naomi Boswell and she was talking about a book called how to talk so kids will listen, and listen so kids will talk. Uh, and she says in it, um, they're talking about when you're when you're little, and kids say, "Oh, I'm tired, I'm hungry," 
you know, like you need to go to the bathroom. And parents, the first one of the first things they say is, "No, you're not. You've just eaten. No, you're not. You've just gone to the bathroom." Um, and then at 16 or 20, 20 21, uh, we expect you know, young adults to know what they want and what they want to do and kind of have confidence in their own decisions. And I think that it takes practice um, and really conscious leadership to um, help us practice conviction in our own decisions. Um, so I've, I've really appreciated that about your leadership style and that's kind of within the co-production ethos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's harder to stick to that if you get an external deadline coming in. Mm. So if you if I get the board wants to see a report or presentation, then I start to get a clear idea of how we need to present professionally. And there could be an element of I'll just take this and just do it mm. because I've got an idea of, of what it looks like. And in a way I've had to um step back a bit from um, my own reputation. You have to let go of mm. your own reputation a bit because this is going to go out with your name on it, but it might not be what you would do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, there's an element of trust and allowing growth there as well. I found co-production very much challenges your ego. Yeah. In, in everyone from you as our coordinator to us as student partners and the different kind of areas of expertise that we feel like we have um yeah I'm constantly kind of checking in with myself and thinking okay maybe you don't need to control this and <laughs> yeah 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 that's very much that experience yeah. <laughs> just let it go <laughs> it'll all be okay <laughs> yeah and I think that feeds into then being able to trust your teammates as well that maybe it's not exactly how you would have done it um, but in the end the result is really good and you've worked on it as a team and you're proud of what's coming out um, even if it's not exactly how I would have done every no, single step. No, 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 I suppose like you're thinking of the longer term aren't you? Yeah. And I think it's not that you remain mute, <laughs> uh, it's that you're you know, it, it's even a step further rather than just not saying your opinion, but to give your opinion, but then not be bothered if it's not picked up on. Mm. That's, a, you know, in a way, that's a sort of, it's quite a brave thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. And, and again, just that humility to say, oh, okay, my idea is not the one that we're going to go with. Mm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so the next sort of section that we had planned out was the way that our team and the way that we all interact with each other have influenced the way that you've chosen to lead. Yeah, um, so I suppose we've been talking so far, it sounds like I've set something up uh, that has caused sort of a co-production team to form. And in fact, what has happened is um, you know, I've had an influence in that, but it's really what you've brought. Your, um, it, you've been happy to take on the responsibility and the ownership, and com commit and contribute mm. to the project fully as a team. So, if that hadn't have happened, 
then we wouldn't have ended up with a co-production project. Mm. Um, and you've built that way of working within your team. So it has meant that it's been very easy for me to step back. Mm. So because you've taken up the ownership responsibility, you've had lots of really creative and impactful ideas. Um, my role has been really to support you to reach those. So I've never felt like there has been a lack of momentum, a lack of energy and a lack of responsibility from the team. Mm. So I've never felt like it's been an effort to try and, you know, come on guys. <laughs> I've never yeah. felt that at all. It's more felt the opposite, as in, I know they're doing lots of good <laughs> stuff, but I'm not sure what it is. Check it up. <laughs> and, and really, I think you've built up trust on a, a personal level. So we had one session at the beginning of the year, which was on you sharing your mental health heroes. Mm. And you could have done that in a way that was quite impersonal. Here's somebody, I like their stuff, I think it's genuinely useful. But people spoke from very personal perspectives about why this person had been important to them on their mental health journey, mm -hmm. what their mental health journey was. I didn't ask you to do that. So there was an element there that you wanted to start to share more with each other. Um, and some people chose to step more into that than others. Mm -hmm. So there's certainly no remit you have to share to make <laughs> this work. Yeah. It's like, do what you're comfortable with that you feel will help you. Yeah. And, and um, it, you know, that's one example, but I think you've made this team and this project work, really. How has that, um, something that I've noticed about how you're leading, um, I think at the beginning of the project, there was more input and um, I guess traditional leadership from you and as the project has progressed I think the responsibility has been passed over to us so much more especially um, this past summer the past couple of months yeah well I think really uh, I was seeing what co-production looked like from the way you were working mm. and I think that built through the project so I could see, to some degree, what was working for you and what I did and didn't need to do. So in a way, I was learning what co-production looked like from seeing you working <laughs> together. And then it became clearer what my role was, actually. Yeah. So um, I kind of learned throughout. And you know, the last stage, we did the project planning together. So normally, I would come up with the work packages. Mm. But a group of us, we worked through that together, didn't we? Yeah. So I was still there to support. And in a way, I still need to sleep at night, so I still need to see what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I still wanted to be involved. But I, I was almost there just as a scribe, writing down mm. what you guys were coming up with. And how did, you, how did you find that? What do you think came out of it that was really different to maybe what you would have come up with had it just been you? Um, I, I think I actually felt more confident working on that with you, that these were the work packages that you were enthused about, that you wanted to put your energy into and that you thought would have impact. Mm. So probably the way that you framed impact was different than the way I would. And I think your impact, um, part of that 
is engaging the wider student body. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think giving us the chance to plan those work packages to um, helped us to be more engaged. Not that we weren't engaged with the project before, um, but I think it was that extra step of ownership and yeah, thinking, oh, I came up with this idea. I'm really excited about it. I really mm -hmm. think it could work. Mm -hmm. um, and seeing that all the way through, mm -hmm. I think that's really exciting. I don't. I think if I did on those work packages, we wouldn't be sat here doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. All right. Is there anything else that you feel is important to share with any future Clifford Production project leaders? Yeah, I mean, I suppose we've talked a lot here about what worked well. Mm. We haven't spoken about what hasn't worked well because it's probably not appropriate for us to have those conversations at this stage in the project unless yeah. there's something glaringly not working. Mm -hmm. But I certainly think it would be interesting to at some stage to ask the question, what were you not telling me during this project? Yeah. What was I not telling you? Mm -hmm. uh, what were the barriers between us as staff and students? What were they? How did we mitigate them? Were there some that always remained? Mm -hmm. I think that would be interesting conversation, but I think it has to come at the. Uh, it, it could. It could. It, it could be beneficial. It could cause a wobble. So it would be really nice to have that kind of reflective conversation at some stage. After um, we finished working after together. After we finished working together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in a way, that is acknowledging there probably still is some kind of a staff-student maybe power dynamic mm. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be nice to talk about that, but maybe not when we're fully in the run of a project. Mm. It, because there's a sense of familiarity to our barriers and what we will say and what we won't say. And I don't want to push into those at an inappropriate stage in the project. Mm. One of the things that my education teacher always says is that no matter how much you try, you are always going to be the teacher and they're always going to be the students. Um, and so you can try and mitigate that, and you should, in my opinion. Um, but you know, you're always going to be working within that kind of structure and that tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you you definitely have to be um, wary of where you show your opinions, mm. because you might think, oh, it's just me, and I don't know that much about stuff anyway, so I'll just chat normally. And actually, people might be putting more weight to your opinions. Um, than is actually appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I think you you have to be aware of making requests and showing your opinions. Yeah. Um, because if you don't acknowledge the pa uh, the power dynamic and the hierarchy that probably is there, that's when problems start. Mm. So you, you, you have a responsibility. Yeah. That's why I come straight to my charity. Yeah. <laughs> This has been really nice. I've learned so much from speaking to you. Um, thank you. Thanks, Madeline. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thanks once again, Anita, for letting me interrogate you. 
I think you're now extremely prepared for any future co-production facilitator job interviews. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your podcasts, and tune in next week where Ellie and I will be teaming up once again to talk about how the co-production ethos has influenced our team and workplace environment. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Trust Me, I'm a Student, and there we have tons of links and stories if you want to know more about co-production or if you want to read our show notes. If you'd like to know more about the Evaluation Project, you can find us at Greater Manchester University Student Mental Health Service Evaluation on Facebook. We'd like to note that unfortunately we cannot offer mental health support through any of our channels, and if you're in need of that, you should contact your local crisis line, GP, or University Mental Health Service. Special thanks to the University of Manchester for running this evaluation project, and to the Office for Students for funding it.